go ahead and slip up your hand and one of our ushers will bring it to you. Also, if you need a pen to, to write with for the connection card, if, if you want one, our ushers can also bring you um, one of those as well. We are going to be in Luke chapter 8, and um, the, the bulletin actually doesn't have it right because I didn't have it right because the Spirit wanted me to do something different. So, um, it, the, the Holy Spirit's to blame. We're going to actually be in uh, Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through um, 21. You know, I, I went home on Friday after finishing up the sermon, and I told Cherise, I just don't feel comfortable with it, for whatever reason, I just don't feel comfortable. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray um, tonight and see, and just see where I'm at in the morning. And in the morning, I just felt like I was trying to jump through a bunch of hoops to make a point that I wanted to make instead of what the Holy Spirit um, inspired word um, has to say. And so, um, I, I, I'll confess, I sometimes have this desire to to make sermons clever and witty. And, and quite frankly, what the Apostle Paul says is don't come in clever speech. Just come in plain speech, right? And so that's what I want to do. I was going to jump around back and forth and all of this, but we're just going to be in verses 1 through 21, which may seem like a bit, and it, it, kind, of, it kind of is a, a big chunk, but as I started reading this more and more, I just thought, wow, this is such an incredible piece of Scripture that um, for us, because um, what's happening is this is right after when Jesus is at the Pharisee's house and the woman is washing his feet with her tears and her hair. And so what we're seeing Jesus do now is Jesus is going around from city to city, town to town, proclaiming and preaching the, the good news of the kingdom of God and then it gets to a point where there are so many people that come to see him that he takes a step back and he actually starts to teach them, but he teaches them in parables. And what's amazing about this is that Jesus goes on to tell his disciples about a secret of the kingdom of God. And now we, we get to also know about the secret of the kingdom of God. So I'm going to read this for us, I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to dive into this passage. Verse 1 in chapter 8. Soon afterward, he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene and uh, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means. And when a great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot. And the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock. And as it grew up, it withered away, because it had no moisture. And some fell along thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew 
and yielded a hundredfold. And as he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, They are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that, in the good soil, there are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar, or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care then how you hear, for to the one who has more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. Then his mother his, and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Father, we ask that you would Give us insight and knowledge into your word this morning. That you would allow us understanding. That for your children who are in here, that they would be refreshed. That they would find rest and encouragement. And if need be, that your spirit would convict them and lead them to repentance. And Father, for, for those who have been just playing kind of a, a religious game, that you would convict them and show them that you are more than a set of rules to live by. You are the God who wants an intimate relationship with them. You are a God who has called them into a great family. And so I pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. One of the best 
but also worst things that could have happened for the church is the opportunity to put uh, messages online for people to consume them. It's, it's great because you get to listen to great communicators and great speakers. But there's also a, a problem with it, and, and that's that in a consumer-driven culture, a consumer-driven people, what tends to happen is that we just want to consume a product without really listening to it. Or we want to consume only what we want to hear, right? It's very easy to pick and choose and say, well, I like this and don't like that, so I'll listen to this person and not that person. Or I'll read this portion of the Bible, but not that portion, because that kind of makes me just a little bit uneasy. You see, our human nature, do you guys know what I mean when I say human nature? What I mean by human nature is our, our sin that we still wrestle with or, or the sin that, that is still very present in our lives up to this point. It, it directs our hearing towards, quite frankly, soul-crushing sound bits that we want to hear. Now, not all sound bites, please hear me say this, are soul-crushing. But when we've developed a consumeristic nature where we just want to hear the things that we only want to hear, it ends up becoming soul-crushing because then we never grow. But what Jesus is teaching us this morning is that when we take time to stop hear and listen to the word of god obedience and good works are sure to follow we come to the first 3 verses of our passage this morning and we see that soon afterwards, meaning after Jesus was with the Pharisee in his household eating dinner, that he went out and he went around towns proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. See, this was Jesus' mission. His mission was to inaugurate or bring forward the kingdom of, of God. And so he goes and he, he's going from town to town and city to city proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. And we even in these first three verses get a picture of what the, the kingdom of God being proclaimed looks like. It looks like that this, this woman who had been healed of seven evil spirits come to herself. But it's more than that because what we are told is that not only Mary, but Joanna and uh, Susanna and many others were with Jesus. 
going around to city to city, and these people were providing for them. Jesus is with his 12 disciples right now, going from city to city, and people are providing for him. You see, one of the most incredible things about these first three verses that Luke is doing is that it was not common for a first century rabbi or teacher to have a group of women coming behind him to support him. And what Luke is making clear in these first three verses is that Jesus' mission is being supported not just by men, but also women. Because this is the design of, of God from the very beginning, is it not? God did not just create man to carry out his mission or his plan to be stewards over his kingdom, but God created man and woman to do that together. This is where we come up with the word complementarianism, where where men and women were made to complement one another, not one be more superior than the other, but both of them have unique and separate roles where when they come together, they are complementing and showing the beauty of God's creation. And this is what we are seeing is that it is a group of people who carry out the mission of God, not just one people. And so please hear me clearly on this. To the women in here, God has created you with unique and special gifts. And what tends to happen? What tends to happen is those gifts are diminished because it can seem like maybe the mission of God is solely just for men. But where men aren't championing women's gifts, we don't see what's called complementarianism because men then aren't complementing women. And so some of you in here are great teachers. Some of you in here are wonderful counselors who are able to sympathize. You know, I, I sometimes joke to myself thinking, um, if I didn't have Sharice uh, as my wife, <laughs> I would not get the things that I need to get done quicker than they get done now because I'm the type of person that I'll come to a project. So there's two people that go to the DMV. Those that just show up and those that print off the papers before they go and fill them out, so that way the process is quicker. I'm the one who will show up and then be like, oh, I needed my social security card too. I guess I got to come back. And Sharice has it all under control. <laughs> but please don't hear me say that, that through this, that, that what I'm advocating for is, is some type of pastoral responsibility that that women are to have. I think scripture is pretty clear about that. But what we are seeing in these first three verses is that Jesus' mission would not have been accomplished without women coming behind and supporting it. It takes both men and women. 
And so we come to the next portion of our passage. This beautiful yet frightening parable. And I'll get to why it's frightening in a bit. We come to this parable as people now are gathering around to hear Jesus. They're gathering around to hear Jesus because as Jesus is continuing to do good works and miracles and proclaiming the kingdom of God, people are hearing about it and want to, to come to him and hear what, it, what he has to say. And, and so um, he, he says this. He says, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path. And it was trampled underfoot. And the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock. And as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns. And the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. That is one of the most strange, strangest ways to end a parable. Right? That's as if I'm standing up here and I'm saying, the Packers always get the calls. Those who have ears, let them hear. <laughs> it's only funny to those that know that I'm a Bears fan. You know, when I was a, a freshman in college, I was home for winter break, and this parable is in the, caused me to wrestle with the question, of, am, am I a believer in Jesus? This was one of those times that I believe that when Paul is talking about work out your salvation with fear and trembling, this was a passage that did that to me. When I was home for uh, winter break from college, my parents were living in Sturgeon Bay at the time, and my older brother was a, um, the young adult minister at the church that he was serving at. And, and one of the things that he was doing was he was going through different parables with the young adults. And so he, he had told me, hey, Max, before you come, go ahead and read this parable. Come, come ready to have conversation about it. And so I read it. I read it up until the point that Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when I read that, I went back and read it over and over and over again. Thinking to myself, I I've got no clue what Jesus is saying here. And he's saying, he who has ears, let him hear. So the ones that, that understand will, will understand what Jesus is saying here. And so... As I'm waiting to go to this discussion to talk about this parable, I'm feeling this 100-pound weight on my chest thinking, I've got no clue what this means. Does this mean that, that I'm the one who was uh, uh, sown on the hard ground? I don't know what this means. How, uh, uh, am, I, am I a believer? Has, has Jesus really saved me? And so I, I go expecting answers. And so I, I ask the, the question in, in the group. So, so Christoph is my older brother's name. Are you telling me that, that those that can't understand this parable, those are the ones who haven't been planted in the good soil? And, and then he said, and, and I didn't tell him any of this, so he's got no idea that I'm wrestling with this or, or thinking about this at any moment, just ready to weep thinking, I'm not even a Christian. And so then he says, yeah, Max, that's exactly right. 
Jesus says, he who has ears will understand what this parable means. And so now I'm thinking, oh great, this isn't good. I want to go to the bathroom and throw up. Like I'm seriously starting to feel this physical illness thinking, I can't believe this. I don't understand this. What's wrong with me? If I really had the Spirit of God inside of me, then I would understand this, wouldn't I? Because Jesus says right here, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And I am not hearing you, Jesus. Are we a people who hear? Or are we a people that nod our head, say, okay, okay, yep, mm hmm, and move on? You know, one of the things I failed to do at that point in my life was to continue to read. <laughs> I could have saved myself a lot of time and worry if I just would have kept on reading. And so afterwards, I'm going home and I'm still rereading this. Like, how can I? And I decided that I said, you know, okay, I'm just, I'm going to read the, the rest of it. And I firmly believe that was God saying, okay, Max, you're going to listen now. So listen to this. We need to listen to what Jesus says next. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, to you it has been given to know the secret of the kingdom of God. And so let's stop here because this is important for us. Right here, Jesus is telling his disciples and what we're seeing is one of the secrets about the kingdom of God. What the kingdom of God is like. And then he goes on to say, but for others, they are in parables so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now what Jesus is doing here is quoting Isaiah. What Isaiah said back in chapter 6 about Israel. is that God's righteous judgment on Israel at that time was that their hearts were so hard against God's word that when God spoke to them, they did not listen to it and hear it. They heard what they wanted to hear instead of what God was saying. And so Jesus goes on to say, now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. It's God's word. It's God's living and active word. The active word that is sharper than any two-edged sword. There is no two-edged sword made in history that is sharper than God's word. And so we know that the seed is the word of God. And that the ones along the path are those who have heard 
And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. So what had happened to this soil is that so many feet had trampled over it that it had hardened the soil so that way when the word of God was planted in their hearts, it did not take root. It just landed on top of that hard soil so the birds could come and take it away. And so then the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. So it's the ones that, that go and hear the word of God. They, they get excited from the, the music and the, the motivation speech that they just heard only to a few weeks later die out because the word of God never really took root until I came to study this passage I always thought that it was like uh, gravel that that's where this seed had landed but actually what this would mean is that the seed would have landed on soil but underneath the soil there were rocks that prevented it from getting any deeper which would make sense that it's received with joy, but after a while it does not get moisture. Or maybe as David says, it's not planted by living water. And it dies out. And so Jesus then goes on to tell him the next. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. Now, this is a strange one. Because what Jesus is telling us is that there are those who, when they hear the word of God, it is planted, but it's planted by thorns. It doesn't say that it's choked out it just says that it's choked and what Jesus is also very clear with is that this one actually does bear fruit but it never matures but what we do know is that they are choked by the cares And the riches and the pleasures of this world. This is the scariest one out of all three. Out of the, out of the first three, this is the scariest one. Because you can be planted... And you can grow, and at some point, what's more important are the cares and riches and pleasures of this world. What's more important are the things this world has to offer. than the God who made them. 
You know, I, I don't know why. I think God has given us all a sense of urgency towards people. This is the people he has given me the sense of urgency towards. The, the Christians who for whatever reason are being choked out by the cares and riches and pleasures that no longer see their Savior as the most pleasuring thing that they could possibly ever have. Those that maybe still attend church or pray once in a while or talk a good religious game, but yet there's no fruit that's being born in their lives. The ones who on judgment day will go to Jesus and say, Lord, Lord, we did this and this and this and this, but then get cast away. I don't know where you are in these first three. But what I do know is that Paul makes it very clear that we are to work our salvation with fear and trembling. And so then Jesus goes on to the last. He goes on to the good soil. The, the soil or the good soil is they who hear the word, they hold fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. So it's those that receive the word of God. They hold fast to the word of God in an honest and good heart. See, what Jesus is doing here is he's referencing the other soils in this one. Did you catch it? So all of them have the soil planted or have the seed planted. But it's only in the good soil that they hear it and it's not taken they hold fast to it and it's not scorched by the sun. And they hold fast to it in an honest, good heart and bear fruit, unlike the one who does not mature in fruit. Have you heard and received the word of God? In his short book called What is the Gospel? Greg Gilbert in the first few chapters makes it very clear that this picture of the gospel is um, God, man. Has anyone else read? Okay, God, man. Great, I'd put myself on the spot here. Um, totally lost it. Oh, well. What we know that the Word of God presents is that we need to hear the Word of God to, for it to take root in our hearts. And the Apostle Paul in Romans 10 makes it clear that if nobody goes out to preach it, how can they hear it? 
See, the good news of the gospel is this, that God created us to to live in him with perfect harmony, never feeling a, a shame for who we are. But sin caused separation and it caused us to be ashamed of of who we are. But Jesus came to to close the gap. He, He came to not only close the gap, but to win his people back. He came to live a perfect life that you and I were told to live, to to die a sinner's death. And he defeated sin and death by raising three days later so that all who put their faith in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection can have eternal life. This This is ultimately what Jesus is talking about here is receiving the word. And so we need to Listen to what Jesus has to say. Because what comes next is one of those things that is really easy to to not look at or to not consume. See, Jesus then goes on to say, after after explaining this parable, he goes on to briefly say another parable. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. What Jesus is saying here is if that you have received the the word of God, if it has been implanted, if, if you are the good soil, then what always happens, what always happens 100% of the time is that you will shine like a light because nobody that has received this good news would ever cover it with a basket. Nobody would do that. And so this is what Jesus is warning but also encouraging his disciples with. Is he saying, look, if... If you want to know the ones who the the seed has been planted on the good soil, check out their works. Check out their light. Are they trying to hide their light? Are they going to work and saying, well, you know, I just really don't want to offend anyone, so I'm not going to really bring up Christianity. Are they the ones who, who, upon going to their family's house, say, you know, well, if somebody asks me, then I guess I'll bring it up. Are they the ones who, when they see somebody in need, say, well, you know, this could be a big inconvenience to my time? When you see a a brother or sister in discouragement, ah, you know what? Life is messy and they can really worry about it themselves. They can can get themselves together. I'll, I'll, I'll pray for them. What Jesus is telling his disciples is that upon receiving the word, you're now to let your light shine. You're to be a city on a hill. Not a light with a basket over it. Because Jesus then goes on to warn his disciples, for nothing is hidden. Nothing is hidden. There is 
nothing that you have consumed or nothing that you have read or heard somebody preach that will not come to light. And this is the scary thing, is that I know a lot. At least I think I do. Well, actually, I always say, after I got my undergrad, I knew everything. When I got my master's, I knew nothing. This is the scary thing. Is I, I, had, a, I had a professor who used to say this right before we would, we would take tests. And I don't know if he did it just to scare us, um, but he, this always stuck with my mind. Uh, he would say this before tests, and he would always say this once the semester was over. He would always commission us and say, hey, look, guys, you now, you now know this stuff. You know this stuff. And you can use it to the glory of God. And if you don't, and you waste away the things that you have learned, God will judge you for that. And that may seem harsh, but this is what Jesus then says next. He even says, take care then how you hear. We're supposed to be careful to what we listen to and how we hear. For to the one who has more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. This last part, I was, I was surprised to read how many times Jesus actually says this. Jesus says this a lot. He says this in the parable of the sower. He says this with the parable of the talents. He says it a lot. And if we look at Israel, is this not the case? When he tells Israel, listen to me, and you will be a blessed nation, you will be my treasured people. But it only comes when you hear and receive the word of God and then do it. I mean, this is a promise right here. And so we need to listen to what Jesus says. And we need to listen with a purpose. But this is hard. It is hard to listen to the word of God and then to obey it, is it not? Because our, our sin that still indwells with us does everything it possibly can to turn our attention away from this beautiful word. It turns our attention away from obeying our, our Father who is in heaven. It is hard to listen and to obey. But this is the amazing thing. Is this last part right here. Then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. I mean, that's, that's an okay thing, right? I and mean, this is Jesus' mother who's probably worrying about him. Who's seeing all of these people come to him, wants to... To know, are you getting enough food? Are, are you sleeping enough? 
Are you, are you taking time for yourself? She's seeing how much Jesus is doing for people. She's a worried mother. But Jesus says this. My mother and brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. We weren't created to do it alone. We weren't created to listen to God's word and then obey alone. Because if we see verse 21 and then we look back to verses 1 through 3, what do we see Jesus doing? We see Jesus going from city to city, town to town, with his family. Those who hear the word of God and do it. You know, I'm gonna, I'd like to, to finish like this. This is how I would like to conclude. Many of us have probably heard the, the phrase, uh, Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. You know, I'm not much of a fan of, of that saying for this reason. Yeah. I'm not much of a fan for that for this. It's when we say Jesus is my personal Lord, it makes it seem like, one, it's, a, it's about me. So he only died for me. Now I know that's not what's meant by it, but, but stay with me here, please. Another reason why that this is a, a, maybe not the best way to phrase something like this is because he's my personal savior who's your personal savior is it Allah another reason why that this phrase isn't the best phrase is because if he's if he's my personal savior then then I get to to construct and make up the rules of what he tells me and what he doesn't tell me and when he's my personal savior, I can look at the gifts and say, well, well I have these gifts for my personal savior and, and I don't really have to, to worry about any of these other gifts. See, Jesus isn't a personal savior. First off, he's the only savior. And Jesus hasn't personally saved us, but he's saved the whole people group. And he's not only saved us as a people group, but he's called us into a family. And so when I look at my relationship with Jesus just as personal, do you know how easy it is for me to step back and say, well, I can't really be a part of this family yet because I don't have my stuff together. So what I need to do is get my act together with Jesus before I enter into this. But what we see throughout scripture and what we see in the life of the disciples is that they are with one another, encouraging one another to continue on in their relationship with Jesus. You have been saved to a people group to belong to one another. It is a family. And how easy is it when I look at Jesus just as my personal Savior to separate from myself or separate myself from my family? 
You have been created with a purpose to continue on the mission of God. But if we just look at this as a personal relationship and not a communal relationship, a family relationship, we will never, we will never look at the body of Christ as a family. So we will never go to each other with problems. We will look at the Sunday service as the bare minimum requirement. We will see my growth and my walk with Jesus as simply just me trying to do it myself. But you and I can't do it ourselves. We can't just show up once a week to be in community. We've got to do it throughout the week. When you hear the word of God, it will always produce works. But you're never to work alone. We're to work as a family. We are the body of Christ. A finger is no good without its hand. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time this morning that you've given us. Would you please allow us to receive your word, to be transformed by your word, to live obedient according to your word. Would you protect us from trying to just consume a bunch of information just to have a bunch of knowledge. But would you allow us to be people of your word who are going to be consistently pursuing obedience in you together. I pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand and sing the last song. Jesus, draw me close.